Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us online for worship here today at the Vista. If we have not met before, my name is Austin, and I get to serve here as one of our lead pastors, and we are so glad that you joined us. If it's your first time uh, and you're tuning in for whatever reason, man, somebody passed it on to you, mentioned it might be a good idea for you to jump on. We are so excited that you joined us today. We can't wait to have you at our building at some point in the future, but we're glad to have you with us today. Um, Before we jump in, just want to really encourage you to participate fully in worship today. Uh, I know that being online can make that a little bit difficult, but there are things that you can do. You can stand up and make sure that you sing, get rid of as many distractions as possible. You can jump on. Uh, if you're on Facebook Live, you can jump on the, the chat stream there and let us know that you're there. Say hey to people. We'll all make the best of it that we can. Uh, we look forward to regathering as soon as we can, but we are grateful for the technology that enables us to virtually gather for worship together today. Uh, I wanted to start with just a prayer that I wrote for our, our church family today. So I want to invite you to just kind of slow down, receive this prayer that's kind of like a blessing that I would like to pray over you, uh, and then we will join together in worship today. All right, so here's this prayer I want us to receive. Gracious God, we come before you today and we feel many different things. Now, some of us are confused, confused about who we should listen to, about what our responsibilities are during this very strange season. Now, some of us are angry. I've been angry. Angry at decisions that have been made. Angry at our own inability to cope well. Angry at our children. Angry at others. Some of us are anxious. Anxious because we feel out of control. And we feel uncertain about our future, our jobs, about our families, about relationships. And then some of us are just so exhausted. We're exhausted that we can't seem to find any rest anywhere, any rest from all the confusion, the anger, and the anxiety. And so, God, we bring all this before you this morning because we are your children and you love us. And we pray that you would meet us here where we are, And we ask that you would give us the truth and the joy and the rest that we so desperately need always, but maybe especially today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you would now, you feel comfortable and you can stand up, sing with us, and worship.
you right now, whatever you're walking through, whatever you're facing, to choose to trust God, to choose to hear his voice above everything else that's around us right now, all the other voices, all the noise that crowds his voice out, choose to hear his voice and choose to trust in him because he's faithful and he's good. He's always been faithful and he'll always be faithful. So let's sing this one more time over ourselves. 
as a declaration of faith that he's good and he's faithful. And I choose to trust you, Lord. I choose to hear your voice above all the other noise. And I'll take another step because your plans for me are good. And your promise never fails You've been faithful before You'll be faithful again I choose to trust you, Lord I choose to hear your voice Above all the other noise And I'll take another step Cause your plans for me are good And your promise never fails You've been faithful before You'll be faithful again And so God, we choose to trust in your faithfulness Because you've always been faithful We know that you're going to continue to be faithful And you've always been good And so we know you're going to continue to be good And so we choose to hear your voice above everything else. You speak truth over us and you speak love over us. And we thank you. We give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. In your son's name, amen. Thanks for worshiping with us this morning. Hey, good morning, Vista family. Thank you again for tuning in to worship with us today. Uh, As always, we're really glad that you've chosen to watch, to connect, to be a part. Um, I just want to go ahead and reiterate something that I mentioned um, earlier this week, and that is that um, I I know this whole virtual uh, listening, watching, learning thing can, can just get tired. I've talked to several. It's just easy to become apathetic. And so I just want to, again, encourage you to, um, to continue to tune in, to continue to watch, to continue to connect with community um, virtually as much as possible. We say it all the time. God did not intend for us to be isolated. God did not intend for us to walk through life alone. Uh, we need community. And I know it's hard right now, um, but there are ways to connect. There are ways that we can do this thanks to technology. And so I just want to encourage you to not grow tired, uh, to not let yourself get complacent, and to not let that apathy sort of seek, sink in, um, and, and to do everything you can to be diligent in that. So thanks for being a part. Thanks for tuning in. Stay strong. We will get through this, uh, this season together. And again, we all sort of long for the day we can be back together again. This morning, we're continuing in our series, Did God Really Say? Specifically today, we're going to be looking at the subject of prayer. Um, and so asking ourselves the question, did God really say that if you ask me for anything, I will give it? Okay, We've all heard God answers prayer, right? We believe God answers prayer. But is that a promise we have that if we ask for anything, God will give it? So let's start by looking at a few texts where Jesus seems to say this very thing. And we'll use these first couple texts as kind of a springboard for our content and and the message today. Did God really say, if you ask me for anything, I will give it? Well, the first text is Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. And this is the words of Jesus, red lettering. And here's what Jesus said. 
He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Okay, that's the words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount. Now let's look at John, the Gospel of John chapter 14. The Gospel of John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. This again is the words of Jesus speaking to his disciples. And this is what he says to them. He says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Okay? So there we have two texts, right, where Jesus seems to say that if you just ask for it, God will, will do it. If you just ask for it, you know, you have enough faith, then your prayer will be answered. But is this really what Jesus is saying? Is this really what God is getting at in the Scripture? These passages are a couple of the favorites of um, the group called the, the Prosperity Gospel, right? You know the Prosperity guys. We've talked about them before. Uh, they're the ones that would tell you that if you just have enough faith, right, if you're living right and you have enough faith, you believe strong enough that, um, that you'll have really a, a pretty good life, that you should have a pretty good life. These guys are usually doing quite well. They, they're wearing the, the nicest clothes. They've got kind of the nicest houses and cars. They might even have private jets or helicopters to shuttle them around different places. And the idea is, again, that if you just lived right and maybe had the faith that they have— that you would have uh, many, many blessings. That's kind of the, the gist of the prosperity gospel that ultimately, at the end of the day, God wants you to have much. And so they'll take these verses and they'll sort of suck them out of the context in which they were uh, delivered and they'll make them applicable to an individual no matter what that individual is going through or no matter what that individual uh, wants, right? This is really one of the great errors of um, scriptural interpretation. And that is the error where we tend to take a verse and we make every verse about, about us. I, I, tend to, I make the verse about me or what I'm going through, what I want, what I desire, what I need in that moment. And we tend to make that, again, as if we're the centerpiece of the story. If we're the centerpiece of every story or we're the hero of the story. And in short, this may come as a shock to you, uh, but as your pastor, I just need to remind you, um, we are not the hero of every story. We are not the centerpiece of every story. Our situation and our circumstance and what we are going through in any particular moment is not what every single verse is about. And so it's really one of the great errors of scriptural interpretation when we try to make every verse applicable to, to just me. And, and what I'm dealing with, all right? And that's one of the fundamental problems. Just like we said last week, context absolutely matters. Context is very, very important. So, to kind of get started, these passages that I just read, what's the context, right? What's Jesus getting at? What's the bigger picture behind what he is saying? Well, over in the Matthew text, in Matthew 7, that we read a moment ago, again, this is the Sermon on the Mount. And... Um, in the Sermon on the Mount, this largest block of teaching that we have recorded from Jesus, Jesus is trying to get people to understand that they should be seeking after, they should be pursuing uh, righteousness. They should be pursuing um, 
the Lord. They should be pursuing his kingdom above everything else. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, which is a part of this sermon uh, just before this, Jesus says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things, they'll, they'll be added unto you. All these other things that we worry and stress about, they'll be taken care of, but our priority should be to seek after the Lord, should be to seek after the kingdom of God. And so that's kind of the big picture of what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, you should seek after the truth, seek after righteousness, okay? And so in that, in that vein, then when we read Jesus say, ask and it'll be given to you, seek and you'll find, knock and it'll be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Again, he follows that up by saying, um, what kind of father, if his son asks for bread, gives him a stone? Or what kind of father, if his son asks for a fish, gives him a serpent? He's saying, look, if you're really truly seeking truth in your life, you're seeking righteousness in your life, you're seeking after the Lord in your life, God's not like going to, you know, um, trick you. He's not going to, he's not out to try to get you or to trap you or to trick you in some way and, and give you something other than what you're seeking after, Okay. This verse isn't even specifically about prayer. It's about seeking after the Lord and his righteousness and his kingdom first and foremost and that God's a good God and, and, and he will help us find that, okay? Then we flip over to the John text, the Gospel of John that we just read. The context of John chapter 14 is that Jesus is talking to his disciples and they are troubled they're troubled because Jesus has told them that he's going to be leaving them, that he's going to be going away. And this is really troubling for the disciples. They were very much dependent on Jesus. They didn't feel like they could do it without Jesus by their side. So the whole context of John 14 is Jesus trying to really give his disciples uh, some encouragement, some comfort. You might even say some confidence that even though he goes away, they can continue that the ministry can continue, the work of Jesus will continue. Um, they don't know it yet, but they're actually going to go on and launch and start this movement called the church. And God is going to continue to work through them to accomplish his will and his purpose. And so Jesus in John 14 is trying to uh, encourage and comfort and give confidence to his disciples who are worried about him leaving. And they're thinking that when he goes away, man, everything's going to come to a screeching halt. And so Jesus then tells them, look, you're still going to be able to call on me and I'm going to be able to answer. You're still going to ask me for things in my name for my glory and I'm still going to deliver. Um, my work will go on. He's going to follow that up by talking about the Holy Spirit that he's going to give to them. And so, again, when you see the context in what Jesus is telling his disciples, what you see is this is not some blanket statement. That anyone who asks anything of Jesus at any time is going to get that thing. But again, when we take those verses out of the context in which they were written, and we try to make them applicable to, to my situation and, and what I'm going through, you can see where it gets a little confusing, right? Well, let's talk about prayer for just a little bit, right? The subject is prayer. Prayer can be a really confusing thing for a lot of people. I, as a pastor, I get asked about prayer a lot. Does prayer work? How should I pray? 
Uh, what, what words do I need to use? What matters or what's important to God when it comes to, when it comes to prayer? And so let's just take a look at that for, for a moment. In the brief time that we have uh, together this morning, uh, I want to talk about what really matters when it comes to prayer. And as you read through Scripture, uh, we said last week that it's important to look at the rest of Scripture and what else Scripture has to say in regards to a particular matter. So I want to do that with prayer and, and talk about what really seems to matter. And as I look through Scripture, one of the first things that seems to matter when it comes to prayer is our attitude towards sin. Our attitude towards sin, how we regard sin, how we treat sin, seems to matter when it comes to, when it comes to prayer. We'll look at a few texts in Psalm 66. Psalm 66, the psalmist says this in Psalm 66, verse 18. He says, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And so the idea being there that if if sin is this thing in my heart that I cherish, I love, uh, I, I dwell on, I dwell in, uh, and I'm, I'm comfortable in my sin, that, that almost it's, the idea is that God's not listening then when I pray, okay? It's really important to understand. Let's look at another one in, in, in Isaiah 59. Kind of the same idea here. Isaiah chapter 59, the prophet Isaiah says this, beginning in verse one. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear dull that it cannot hear. Okay, so if we just stopped right there, that... That's great news, right? That basically is talking about how God is, God is strong enough, God is big enough, God always hears, his hand is not shortened, his ear is not dull, that God is ready, willing, and able to hear and to answer. Like, that's really great. But look what he says next in the next two verses. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity and your lips have spoken lies and your tongue mutters wickedness, All right? So again, the idea is this, that if you just live in, dwell in sin, if you cherish sin, enjoy sin, um, that, that if you're just gonna live your life that way, full-fledged into sin, pursuing sin, chasing after sin and loving sin, then you really have no right you're, you're kind of foolish if you think then you can turn to God and ask for whatever you want and that God's going to answer or hear your prayer, right? It's foolish of me to think I can live how I want, pursue sin, cherish sin in my heart, and yet then turn to God when, I, when it's convenient and ask him for stuff and think that he ought to answer my prayer, you see? How we live absolutely matters. James chapter 5, verse 16 uh, it's a very popular verse, and it says that the prayer of a righteous man is, uh, has great power or avails much. Righteous man, a righteous man. So again, our attitudes towards sin seem to matter. Now, I do want to be careful here. I want to be careful because I, I, I think that sometimes in hearing those verses, what that can lead us to believe is like, you know, if we're good enough, God hears and answers our prayer, and if we're bad, God doesn't hear and answer our prayer. 
all right? We can easily sort of drift into this idea that, that good people get their prayers answered and bad people don't. And so when our prayers aren't answered the way we want or when we want, we can often have a lot of guilt and shame thinking, maybe I'm just not good enough, right? And so I want to be careful there because this, this is not saying that if, you, if you've ever sinned or if, even if you struggle with sin, let's be honest, the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners, We're all sinners. The struggle is real. All of us are tempted and we struggle with sin at different times in different ways. This is not saying that if you struggle with sin or you've ever sinned that God just doesn't hear you. It's talking about a pattern. Again, a cherishing of sin. If our attitude towards sin is that it's no big deal, I don't care, I'm gonna do it anyway, there's no desire in my heart to turn and to repent Um, and for my heart to change, then it simply means that when I go to God in prayer, if that's how I'm going to live, that's my choice, that that there seems to be an indication in some of these texts that that God just chooses to turn a deaf ear to that. And so, number one, what matters to God when when we pray, number one, is that our attitude towards sin really matters to God. Number two is that our motives in prayer matter. Our motives matter to God. There's a couple different ways that that our motives can be wrong here. Uh, One of those we'll see over in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, this is again part of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus specifically is talking about prayer. In fact, this is the part where he, he actually gives us what's called the Lord's Prayer. It's the most popular prayer in the Bible. It's the most popular prayer that Jesus ever prayed. Many people have it memorized or parts of it memorized. And so Jesus is giving some instruction on how to pray, but right before he tells us how to pray, he mentions some things that we're not to do in prayer, okay? So Matthew uh, chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. Here's what he says. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on and the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Down in verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And then in verse 9, He goes on and says, this is how you should pray, and He gives us the Lord's Prayer. But what He just said prior to the Lord's Prayer is some things not to do. Specifically, don't be like the hypocrites or the Gentiles who pray with the wrong motive. Their motive is to be seen and to be heard. Their motive is to sort of pad their spiritual stats, right? To pad their spiritual resume so that other people will look at them and see how good and holy and pious they are. Jesus says, look, their motive is wrong. If your motive in prayer is to be seen, to be heard, uh, to look holy, to look pious. If your motive in prayer, in other words, is your glory, then, then, you're, then you're missing the entire point of prayer. The motive of those in Matthew 6 was their own glory. And that is a false motive. There's another way that our motives can be wrong. And that's over in uh, James chapter 4. James chapter 4 verse 3. Way back in the back of the New Testament. Here's what James writes. He says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Sometimes our motives in prayer are wrong because we just want stuff for 
for us, for our own fun, our own enjoyment. It's a very selfish motive that we have, if we're honest. You know, maybe it's that thing, that, that, that house, that, that job, that, that person. Maybe, you know, prayed for a particular uh, spouse or, or, or something, um, even with your kids. And it's not wrong to pray for those things, but I think we have to ask ourselves, what's my motive? Is my motive in even praying for someone else in a roundabout way so that I'll look better? So that I'll experience more of something? Sometimes our motives can just be wrong in prayer. And as I read through Scripture, it seems to be that Jesus indicates that our motives, our motives really matter. The third thing, and my final point, is that what matters uh, is, is God's will. When it comes to prayer, you can't get around the idea in Scripture that when we pray, God's will matters. God's will matters. A couple of texts we'll look at real quick. First John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. John writes this, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, then we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. If we ask anything according to his will, then he, then he hears us. Back over to our, one of our main texts in the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, back to chapter 14. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of end with this text. Remind you, here's what he said. Whatever you ask in my name, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Then again in verse 14, if you ask me anything in my name, this I will do. I've talked about this before in regards to prayer, but when we pray in Jesus' name, um, it's not the magic words we tack on the end of a prayer to just get, to get things answered, right? I, I, maybe you've heard this analogy before, but, but God is not a cosmic pinata. We often treat prayer like God is the cosmic pinata, and Jesus' name is the stick, right? And if we just beat the God pinata with the Jesus stick, goodies ought to flow. That's kind of how some people view prayer, right? God's the pinata, Jesus' name is the stick, and we beat the cosmic pinata, goodies ought to flow. And then what happens is when, when goodies don't flow the way we think they should, we're like, well, I mean, I, I used in Jesus' name. I mean, I used the magic stick, or I, I said the right words, or I don't understand, and it leads to a lot of confusion. We start to feel like, man, maybe God isn't there. Maybe God isn't listening. Maybe God doesn't care. Maybe God isn't good. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. When in reality, we just have this, we, this false idea of what prayer is, is all about. When we pray in Jesus' name, what we're essentially saying when we, when we wrap our prayer up or when we say that is we're praying for God's will in, in all things, in the name of Jesus. If this is your will, Jesus, the idea being that if, if we've prayed this long prayer and at the end we say, in Jesus' name, let this be the will of Jesus, what we're saying is, God, if, if, if everything I've just prayed is not in your will, then I don't want it. I don't want it. In Jesus' name. That's what he's talking about. It's, it's about the will of God for the glory of God. That's what he said in John chapter 14. As your pastor, I firmly believe that God answers prayer. I, be, I can say that unequivocally, that God answers prayer. <clears throat> and I've said this before, but 
God sometimes answers our prayers and he says yes, as a good father. He says yes. And sometimes he answers our prayer and he says no. Sometimes his answer is wait or, or, or not now. As a father myself, these are very much the same answers I often give my kids when they approach me. Sometimes I, I get to say yes. Sometimes I say yes because I love my kids and I want to be able to give them good things, nice things, have fun. The answer sometimes is yes. Sometimes as a, as a father, I have to say no. Sometimes I have to say no. It's not good for you. It's not, it's not right for you. Sometimes the answer is no, not ever when they ask me something, right? And then sometimes my answer is, is not right now. It's not right now. It, it, it's not that I want to say no, but the time is not right. So, so you need to wait a little bit. You need to wait a little bit. And I've said this before, but I believe God answers our prayers as a good father very much the same way. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's not now or that we need to wait. And I will be the first to acknowledge that I, I often don't understand why God answers the way he does sometimes. I have sat with uh, many of you, some of you in your living rooms, praying for a loved one. I have sat with parents and prayed for wayward children. I have sat in hospital waiting rooms and ER rooms and prayed for, um, prayed with, with wives for a husband, prayed with husbands for a wife, prayed with parents for their children, begged God to heal. Um, and, and sometimes the answer was, was no or not now. And I don't stand up here and pretend that I have some quick, easy answer as to why God responded that way. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And I know that for some, you know, I think as we look at what matters to God, I think that our attitudes towards sin, your attitude towards sin was, was right. I think, that, I think that the motive behind the prayer was right and good. I think that we genuinely sought the will of God in those prayers. And maybe you've had times and seasons where you feel like, man, I've done all these things. And God said no, or God said wait. And again, I don't stand up here and pretend like I have some easy answer. I don't always understand why he answers the way that he does. But here's the thing that I've come to the conclusion in my own life and my own heart. and And I hope and pray that you can and will come to this conclusion as well. And that is that that my faith doesn't rest on whether or not God answers my prayer when I want the way that I want. My faith doesn't rest on what God might do for me in the future in regards to my prayer, what he may or may not give me. My faith rests, my faith rests on the fact that God has already done more than enough for me in and through his son Jesus Christ at the cross. That's the anchor that holds my faith in place. And I've said it before, but if, if God doesn't do anything else for me, if God doesn't answer any more of my prayers for as long as I live in the way I want him to answer them, my heart is anchored in the fact that he's already done more than enough in and through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's what holds my faith. That one day he's gonna wipe away every tear from my eye. One day all of these things in this life that make me so anxious and trouble me so much are going to disappear in light of who he is and what he's done. One day I'll see my loved ones again. One day all of these things that break my heart will go away. All because of what he's already done for me in Christ. And so my faith is not gonna rest on some prayer he may or may not answer in the future. It rests on what he's already done. 
and we can live like that, when we can understand that, then one thing we'll fundamentally understand about prayer is that prayer is not an avenue through which I get my stuff that I want for my glory. But prayer becomes an avenue through which I get to know God and I seek His will for His glory. That's what prayer is. It's about me communing with God. It's about me getting to know God. It's about me seeking the will of God. And it's all for for His glory. Let's pray uh, together this morning. Father, we thank you for Uh, the gift of prayer, really. God, that you give us a way to talk to you, to confide in you, to run to you when, when life is crazy and hectic. God, you give us this gift of prayer, and, and we're grateful for that. And God, quite honestly, uh, sometimes we just don't fully understand it. God, sometimes we don't understand why you... Um, give us the answer you give us. We don't understand sometimes, God, when there's a delay in your answer. But God, we, we're grateful that we can run to you. I pray that we would not see prayer as this, this thing we can use to get what we want for our own glory, but God, we would instead see prayer as a way to get to know you, to commune with you, to seek after your will for your glory. God, help us to remember that our attitudes towards sin, they matter when we pray that our motives in prayer, they matter. God, that ultimately your will matters. And I pray we would always remember that when we seek hard after you. God, we love you and we praise you for your work done for us through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that because of his sacrifice, God, one day all of our tears will be wiped away, that one day we will see clearly and all of our prayers will be answered we will know fully even as we are fully known and we look forward to that day but God in the meantime help us to trust you and seek after you in Christ's name we pray today amen Jordan and the band are going to come back and lead us in a song and uh, we just want to as always give you a moment to respond uh, right there in your living room or wherever you may be watching um, you can spend some time with the Lord Maybe you want to talk or pray with someone. You can call the number um, on the screen and talk to one of our prayer team members. Be happy to talk with you, pray with you. Um, maybe you just want to stand, sing, or sit where you are and, and sing and worship. Maybe you'd like to receive communion. Um, again, you can uh, grab anything in your, in your cupboard or in your fridge, something that represents the body of Christ broken for you, something that represents the, the blood of Christ that was shed for you. And just be thankful for that finished work of Jesus on your behalf. But however you want to respond, we just want to give you some time to do that um, and then stick around um, after we're done and uh, our executive pastor, John, has some, has some uh, final announcements for you. Uh, again, thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks for being a part. I hope you guys have a great week.
Hey Vista, thanks for joining us for worship today. I want to take a second and reiterate some of our plans moving forward as it pertains to when will we regather in person in our building for worship. Uh, at this point, we've decided we're going to continue to take this as a week-by-week -week decision. Uh, and that means every Monday we'll be meeting with our elders, reviewing some of the key metrics that we're watching. We'll also be listening to local uh, governing bodies and to our medical experts and meeting with pastors from other local area churches. Uh, it's not a decision we take lightly. We really take seriously our responsibility to keep you guys and our community safe because we ultimately want to do everything we can to keep our, our people healthy. Uh, and if we do anything that could hurt that, we not only hurt individuals, but we can also be shutting down businesses all around us and causing all kinds of other problems. So we really take this responsibility seriously. But what we're waiting for is not for COVID to be gone. What we're simply waiting for is for the numbers to begin to flatten out a little bit like we were early on, to be able to see capacity in our hospitals uh, getting to a manageable level, to be able to see the surge kind of slowing down because uh, COVID is going to be around for a while. We know that. We're not waiting for it to be gone. We're just waiting for things to become a little more manageable where we feel like the good that we're doing uh, in terms of spiritual, relational, and, and all the other health things that we're playing into in people's lives, we don't want that to be outweighed by the bad that could happen when we gather 200 people into a room uh, in close quarters for a while. Now, we really believe in the strategies we're taking. We really think that it's probably one of the safest environments you can go to when you compare it to other things uh, like grocery stores and going to Home Depot and even going to the baseball fields, right? And so uh, we believe we have a really safe strategy and we're actually running our strategy by the local health department to get some sort of blessing or approval that, hey, we are taking all the right steps. Uh, but again, we're just waiting for the overall cases to begin to slow down and when we see those numbers begin to dip, and that's not just positive cases, that's positivity rates and mortality rates and hospitalization rates, and all this boring stuff. Uh, we never thought we would have to become medical. Uh, I'm not gonna say experts, because we're not at all, but never thought we'd have to be medically trained uh, to be a pastor at a church. It's been really interesting. But when we see those numbers get to responsible places, then we'll begin to figure out when the reopening will happen. So. We're hanging in there with you guys. Uh, we all wish we could be together again. Online is great, but we all know it's not exactly the same as being together. But while we're in the season, we're gonna ask you to faithfully participate, to stay connected, to not let apathy step in, uh, to make sure you make a plan to watch the live stream, either with yourself or a few friends or your family, and, and make it real. Uh, these habits that we continue to build now in this weird season are things that are gonna carry us on for a very long time. And we don't wanna let convenience and laziness start to step in and take over our spiritual lives and so stay connected in whatever way you can that's a lot of information but i just wanted to keep you up to date we'll continue to talk to you guys and when we decide to reopen we'll shoot out plenty of emails and social media and have it on our website you can also download our vista app where we'll send you push notifications for urgent updates so thank you all for tuning in and we'll see you next week